0: Where we are is there, I'm not gonna do the full thing. I've, I've been getting longer and longer in describing the context. And by the time I get to the end of the context, I'm looking out there and everybody's going And so, so let me not, I'm not gonna lose you. I'm just gonna truncate it. And then every time we go into a new series, we'll give you the full detail so you can write it down again. Basically is this. This is gonna be the best year of your life, regardless of your circumstances. Because we're all learning how to live the resurrected life, free from the power of sin. And, we're, and, and, and as we do that, being conformed, not only to the image of Christ, but to the life of Christ, then that's called discipleship. And so the first of these studies was about becoming a disciple, and we gave you an archive that anytime you want to do this with your family and friends because the distributed church is all about forming the church with the relationships you already have. All right? So so anytime you want to do this, you you can go through that book and, and we'll help you go through that book. And then the second book was this. We need to do it together. Nobody does this by themselves. We need a community that will sustain us and have our backs and that will call out of us that power of Christ that we don't see in ourselves. And so this is about relationships. And the second book was about becoming a family of families. Everybody needs a spiritual family. Here's the third book. See, the first book was about I'm a new I am. When I have the the life of God living in me, that means I'm not just me anymore. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The second book, Is, is about us. So I am transitions into us. We're in this together. The third book is about them, there, and that's the one we're in right now. Now, last week we talked, talked to you about the worldwide mission of God and how you were made for that. It's why you're still down on this earth because you have things left to do that God has designed for your life. But today I want to talk about something more local, more central, no matter where you're located. God has put you into a community and he wants you to make a difference in that community. He wants you to be a clear witness. He wants people to see something different in your life than they see generally in the lives that surround them. And so for that, we're gonna go to Titus chapter three. In your worship guide, you have sections of Titus chapter two we just went over that last week and remember that key, it continues to say that you, we need to, we need to act out what we believe in good deeds. Titus chapter three does the exact same thing and so let me let me start with Titus chapter three verse one before I do that let me, let me paint the context here because I talk about a local community. Titus was a pastor in a local community. Now let me tell you what this local community was like. It was was on the island of Crete, and they were called Cretans, and they're described in this epistle. And it's not a pretty description, but it's one I think you may recognize in the culture in which we live. This is how they're described. They're described as a notoriously quarrelsome people. They loved to argue, and they argued about everything. They're described as people who don't generally keep their commitments. As a matter of fact, if they see a reason not to keep their commitments, they won't keep them. And if they see a reason that they need to lie, they'll lie. So they're deceptive and they're liars. Now keep, keep with me here. Not only that, but they have a very high resistance to any authority in their life. They just don't want anybody telling them what to do. Does that remind you of any culture? Kind of like ours, isn't it? Especially, now, now I'm gonna say something about the millennials here. Don't get offended, because if you're here, you probably don't fit this description, But. But generally speaking, there's been study after study coming. Millennials, the oldest millennials, the older millennial was born in 1981, making about 35. I got a son that age, born that year. I can't remember how old he is. Anyhow, Um, (laughs) don't tell my wife. Um, But yeah, 34. Um, um, And 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 then the younger millennials were born in the in the in the 1990s. But this is the study, it just came out this week uh, from San Diego State University, done in, in, in with scholars from Case Western Reserve and, and all. And what this said is it's all over the papers now that this generation, this millennial generation, generally speaking, has these qualities they are the most irreligious, the most resistant. To authority the um, um, let me let me get their exact words Um, the um, most self-centered this is the generation of the selfie right so it's all about (laughs) taking a picture of me here I am doing this now when we say let's break this down a little bit because these aren't bad people. When I say irreligious, what it means is they're not buying into institutional religion just to be loyal to an institution. They 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 this is what they think about religion. What difference is it making? You show me what difference your faith makes. I may be I may come into that. But don't ask me just to go into a church building just to go to church. Because I don't want to do that. You know? And don't ask me just to obey authority just because that's what I need to do. Now my generation, you had respect for anybody older, just because they were older. And you had respect for institutions, just because institutions generally ran the world and they generally knew what they were doing. Not like this going forward, not likely to be part of the world going forward. So watch this, what do they need, what do they need to know about being obedient to authority, especially if they are Christians? They need to know that this word is not just enlightenment, it doesn't just make for a better life and more fulfillment, that it is the authority of God. It's the authority of God. And when you obey the authority of God, it comes out better than you had anticipated. You know, anybody who says, you gotta, you gotta do this because somebody said you gotta do it. There's this little voice inside of you and they go, well, give me another reason, you know? Well, this is something about the authority of God. There's always something hidden that makes you glad you did it because it turns out better than you anticipated and you just have to trust. See, when we grow in discipleship, we don't grow by doing that which we're sure of. We grow by doing that which we're unsure of. That's what it takes to grow faith. That's what it takes to grow. We have to be uncomfortable. And so therefore, We've got to learn and demonstrate to people, if you live this kind of life, there's going to be way better results than you had expected. Let me, let me, there, there's, a, there's a book. I'm going to get to the first chapter in just a second. There's a book by Tim Bowden called One Crowded Hour. And in this book, he, um, he, he tells about this story. It's a true story. Uh, about uh, this battle that's going on in 1964 between Malaysia, forces from Malaysia and forces from um, Indonesia. <clears throat> it's a battle in Burma. And uh, <clears throat> and they recruit um, soldiers, Gurkhas, from Nepal. Now we are packing meals right now from, for people from Nepal. So these folks are fearless. I mean, these soldiers are fearless and they you give an order, you could depend, it's gonna be carried out. You can just depend on it. Well, one day, this the, the Allied commander, whoever it is, goes in and, and looks at these Gurkha soldiers and he says, look, <clears throat> I know you've never been trained as paratroopers. They didn't even know what the word meant. But we want, we want if, if we call on you to jump out of planes to, to, to go down and fight the Indonesian soldiers, Will you do it? We, I'm not commanding you to do it because you've never been trained. But I'm asking, will you do it? Well, their eyes got about this big. Jump out of planes. You know? My eyes would get that big too. And, 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 and so they said, well, give us a minute to, and they felt bad even. Give us, give us a while to talk about this. And so they huddle up. They didn't come back that night. They came back in the morning. <clears throat> And, and the non-commissioned officer representing the Gurkha said, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it because you're the commanding officer, because we know we ought to follow what you say, and so we'll do it. We got a couple of requests, though. Number one, we want you to fly over marshy or soft ground. Don't fly over rocks. And so they said, okay, well, we're, that's, our, that's our territory anyhow, so no, no problem there. Number two, we want you to fly as low and the plane to go as slow as you can. <clears throat> he said, well, you know, we always go slow when we're, when we're uh, jumping out, but, but, but you can't go low. You can't go too low. You can't go any lower than 100, uh, 100 uh, yards up because if you do, the parachutes won't open. And the, and the Gurkha representative said, parachutes? We get parachutes? You didn't say anything about parachutes. I tell you that because they were willing to jump without parachutes. Here's here's the deal. Here's the orders from God. It's always gonna come out better than you think it will. All right? Follow him, do it, because he said it. It's gonna come out better. You just gotta, you gotta jump. All right, Here's, here's what it says. It says in chapter three, Titus, it says, remind them, who's them? That'd be us, exactly. It's us, it's the congregation. Remind, and this is in the present imperative in the original language, present means it's a continuous and repeated action. I'm gonna be bugging you about this till I drop over, all right? Because all of us leak, all of us get distracted, all of us forget, all of us become preoccupied. It says keep reminding them. To be subject to authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready for every good deed. What if I'm not prepared? It doesn't matter. Be ready to take action. Be ready for every good. It doesn't say be trained for every good deed. It says be ready to take action when the action presents itself. Be ready for every good deed. To malign no one, to be peaceable and gentle and showing consideration for all men. This was going directly against their culture. It goes directly against our culture because our culture has taught us to treat one another as suspicious, if not enemies, and to argue every point that comes down the line. Let me ask you, where does that get you? It gets you in a constant argument. What does it yield? Nothing, nothing. What we're talking about is a solid action that is indisputable. A good deed is a solid action that is indisputable. Now let me tell you why this is important. Because ultimately we want people to accept what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. But do you know what has to come before beliefs? Behavior. Behavior comes before beliefs. Deeds come before doctrine. All right? You gotta build credibility before you get the creeds. Before you get to what, what we believe, you gotta build credibility. What is credibility? It's behaving the same to the benefit of all every day. Being faithful every day. That's building credibility. That's what, that's what it's saying you gotta do in your local community. Because I want your community to be glad you're there. I want your community to pray even if they're not praying people. I hope nothing ever happens to that church. I don't know where we'd be if something would happen to that church. I don't know where we'd be if something would happen to those people because they're everywhere helping out. It goes on to say this in verse uh, four. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Second lesson is, it's doing deeds, but it's not about deeds. It's doing deeds, but it's not about what we do. It's about what is coming out of us. It's about who God is in us. We were saved not on the basis of our deeds, but on the basis of mercy. Because God loved us. That's why we were saved. Out of his kindness. And so therefore, we can't do deeds with a bad attitude. (laughs) We got to do deeds because we love people. Because we want to help them. Because we empathize with them. That's very important. David Brooks has a new book out called The Road to Character. <clears throat> I love this book. David, I, I love to read Brooks. Uh, he's a very bright man. <clears throat> and he talks about the, the, what character is. Character is not just what you do or what rules you obey. Character is who you are. Who you are. The, 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 the word in spiritual language is soul. A soul is who you are forever. It's your spiritual identity, okay? So the road to character, he says, and he would agree with the study that just came out. He said, you know, we're living in a culture that is is totally encapsulated by its own degree of what's happening to the individuals. By the individual, everybody gauges how life is going about how, how it's going with them. How is my life today? How do I feel today? David says, that's not how you build character. That's not how you build character. David talks about the difference between this self-centeredness of our society, of our culture, and empathy. Empathy. See, people know when you really are identifying with what they're going through. You know, I mean, I'll talk about Nepal a little bit later, but, but I hope that if you're on those meal packing teams today that you won't just pack meals, but you'll remember and pray for the people who are totally devastated, who, who are without the security that they thought they would have, that they presumed upon. How many of you, Uh, and you don't have to raise your hand because I know it would be most of the room. I know it would be most of the people who are with us online. Reached a point in your life where the security you you always thought you had was just taken from you. It was just gone. It disappeared. And you were so disoriented, you didn't even know what to do. Remember that when you're packing meals or when you're paying for meals, please do contribute. Please. And and when you write that check or when you text that amount, pray for those people, not just that they get fed, but that they feel God's love, that they know that they're being taken care of by people who, who care about them. They're not just trying to do a bunch of good, They really care about them. That's important. When the kindness of God appeared, it says. Out of his mercy. In in Romans chapter 12, verses 1, it says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies... As living, as, as, as living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This isn't basically about good deeds. This is about worship. This is about acting out the character of God because the character of God is in you. God so loved the world. You so love the world. See? This is so important. It's so important. And do you understand that God put you here for just such a time as this? That your placement in this world, that the relationships you have, that the opportunities you're given are not just by chance. They're by God's design. They're by God's design. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Watch this. It says, For we are his workmanship. He's crafted us. He's made you exactly like he wants you. He's wired you like you are for his purposes. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're going to make a positive difference that nobody can argue with. And everybody's grateful for. Which God, interestingly enough, prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has prepared you for where you are. You don't feel prepared for where you are right now. You don't feel like you have everything you, 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 you ought to have. You, you're fully equipped. That's because God wants you to lean on Him. God wants you to depend on Him. God wants you to have faith in Him. But you have everything you need to step out at least in the first steps of what you need to do, of the good that is set right in front of your eyes, that we should walk in them. And so these middle verses are really important because not only do we have faith in God, but watch this, when you do these things, people are watching it probably freaks you out it would freak you out for you to know how many people watch what you do and they, and, they, and they see you as an example and they will follow suit in who you are in their lives when we were first in ministry it freaks you out a little bit to be a pastor because you know people expect big things of pastors and, you, and we got nothing that any of you don't got You know, I mean, we we got a little extra training, but that doesn't do much for your character. You know, we're as dependent on God as anybody else. And and one time a a a, a, an older pastor's wife came up to Becky, and so she she said, "Do you kind of feel like you're living in a fishbowl? You know, everybody looking in at you." Becky said, "Kind of do." And the lady said something that totally startled Becky. She said, isn't it wonderful? Becky was so taken back. He said, well, what do you mean? She said, think of it. What do fish do in a, in a fishbowl? They just swim. You know, fish just be fish. They're not doing a back, look at me, you know. They're not putting on performance. They're not trying to entertain anybody. They're just swimming, you know. Isn't it great that you can live your life for Christ and people can watch you or not? But some of the people watch you, their lives will change and you didn't even know it because you did what you would normally do for Christ. Changed the whole thing. Could I just say something about you just personally? Let me me get personal here. And all of you who are our congregation online are just as much a part of Northland as anybody who ever gets in this room, but I want to tell you something that, that 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 happened this week that I that really meant so much to me. I love it when people brag on you. I, you're my family, you know, and there's nothing better than when somebody brags on your family, you know. It, it, it ain't nothing more better. And so and so, this this we had a a, a convening of the mayors of Seminole County. Um, because I wanted to make sure it was, a, it was a race relations thing and I wanted to make sure that, that the leaders of the county, this was by invitation only, we called in the leaders of the county, um, um, faith leaders and law enforcement and, and uh, school board and so on and so forth. And, and, and I wanted to, make, to hear from our mayors that what happened in Baltimore and Ferguson and so on and so forth wasn't gonna happen in our county. Because we were taking measures to make sure everybody had a fair shake, that everybody had equal, uh, you know, um, not only re- respect, but, but, but defenses and so on and so forth. It was a wonderful session, wonderful session. But afterwards, one of the pastors came up to me. He's, he's new in Seminole County. And a great guy. His name's Octavius Smith. Isn't that an awesome name? I love that. He's at Allen Chapel in Sanford and, 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 and just graduated from Asbury. And, and he said, I want to ask you a question. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm new. I'm learning everything I can about, about the community, about the county, what goes on in the county. And he said, everybody I talk to, every conversation I have, comes back to Northland. It comes back to Northland. He said, how did your congregation get positioned at the center of the life of this community. And I said this to him, because we never sought to be the center of the life of the community. We never thought, sought to be the center of anything. All we do, all we do is serve where we can. And if you serve where you can over a period of time, people will know I can depend on them. Those, those, those folks are valuable in our community. That's what Paul is writing to Titus in this, in this letter. He's, he's saying, I just want you to keep doing the kind of good deeds that show the kindness and mercy of God. It's not about your righteousness. It's not about your goodness. This is about God. And it's not about just God it's about them it's about loving them and respecting them and wanting to help them and I want you to answer pressing needs this is what it says in verse 14 and I kind of close with this our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so they will not be unfruitful. You know, every time we have something like this from Nepal, this, this disaster, we, we always respond. And, and, you know, we've been going since 7.30 this morning. And, and, and my wife was over there at 7.30, I have a good report that her table did over 4,000 meals, just her table. Now watch, I like to brag on my wife it's probably not a good idea for me to go home and ask her what's for lunch, huh? Because she's already packed 4,000 meals. I probably ought to do lunch. You know, I probably ought to prepare lunch for her. But, but the point is, there's a pressing need in Nepal. And Pastor Vernon was right last week when he said, it's out of the news cycle now. And once the cameras leave, so does the help. We're not going to be like that. He says, I don't want you to be unfruitful. Now watch this. Because there is a special purpose for you. It says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 21, this is what it says. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, and this is Paul writing to uh, to, um, Timothy, who's the the pastor at uh, uh, Ephesus. And he's saying, cleanse yourself of, of, the, of the thinking like the world does. But it says, we'll be instruments for special purposes. That's what we're doing today. Special purposes made holy and useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. You know what happens when you do something good? you have confidence to do the next good thing. And it kind of grows on you. You kind of get addicted to it. You kind of say, I like this helping, helping people out business. I, 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 I like it because it, it helps me sense the character of God. It helps me love better. You can't hate somebody you're trying to help. That's, that's just, or you won't try to help them. So it just, it helps love grow. But ultimately, this is what it does. And I'll close with this. I'm going to to get you out early this morning. I just want you to love me. So Now, now that's all we got. You don't need, this isn't isn't, isn't rocket science. This is just basic life. This is is what it does when we are ready to become a clear witness to the love of God in our community. This is what it does. It helps you believe God for what he said. Do you know God told you You're going to change the whole world. God told you that. God told you that you would go into all the world and make disciples because he was going to be with us always, even to the ends of the earth. God told you you would be more than conquerors through him who loved you. God told you that you would have all power over Satan. God told you that you would be agents of healing. God told you that you would be voices of truth. God told you that you would be able to see things as he sees them and not as the world sees them. God told you, God told you, God told you. And now he makes it come true when you step out. I heard a story about Lou Holtz. I love Lou Holtz. I love coaches, period. Great coaches, John Wooden, all, all the great coaches. I just I get a lot out of them. I was a quasi athlete myself, and so I I still hearken to the voice of coaches. And 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 Lou Holtz, uh, the story is that uh, somebody approached him one day. You know, he still lives in our community here. Somebody approached him one day, and and his wife uh, was battling cancer for cancer for years, and and so they they knew that, and they said, "How's your wife?" and Holt said, she's great. She said, this is how I know she's great. I asked her the other day, how you doing? And my wife just bowed up and she said, you know the difference between you and me? Because Luke, of course, was concerned. When when anybody's going through anything, the spouse is always the one that's more worried than the one who's going through it. And so he had this expression on his face, like, how you doing, you know? And she said, do you know the difference between you and me? He said, no. She said, you believe in God. I believe God. I love that. I love that. God's not looking for people merely to believe in him. He's looking for people to believe him. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this wonderful passage of scripture that reminds us who you are in us and reminds us that we need to extend ourselves even when it doesn't sound like a good idea. Sometimes giving doesn't sound like a good idea. Sometimes doing doesn't sound like a good idea. Sometimes taking time out of our day just to devote to you doesn't sound like we can afford to do that. But God, help us to step out and to do what's right and to serve in places that are uncomfortable for us and to serve people in ways that stretch us so that people will understand your value before before they know fully what to believe or know fully who you are Lord I pray as I always do there are some I know listening to us right now listening to me right now who've never put their full faith and trust in you but they want to so let me help them get started right now if that's you pray this prayer with me Lord I do trust you I know when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for my sins too and he busts up the powers of hell and he wants to give me that kind of life. I want that life. Come into my life and let me grow into the fullness of Christ. And all of us, Lord, that's our prayer. We pray it together and we thank you and we love you. Amen. Amen.